We'll be dealing with Healing Ministry Part 7, entitled Heaven Invades Earth. Actually, we've done quite a few. Dealt some with um, the witchcraft in the church, dealing with things being in order. Last week, I dealt with getting the sin out, getting things right with God. The reason why I'm dealing with this is because the enemy to the healing ministry, more than anything else, is the disorder, the disunity, the dishonor, and the disrespect that Satan has tried to bring into the church world that has caused things to be chaotic. You've got people in positions of authority that shouldn't be there, people that should be that aren't. Things are out of order. There's disunity. There's fighting and strife. And because of these things, because the church is out of order and it's not the way it needs to be, that's one, been one of the biggest hindrances. That's why I dealt with the, the witchcraft in the church, part one and two. And then secondly, whenever I dealt with last week about getting the sin out of our lives and getting things right with God, you know, first and foremost, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we've got to get things right in us. You know, if people want to heal, be healed or healing ministry, we need to make sure that we're ready to deal with the things that God needs to deal with. You know, many times, um, William Branham, I know that toward the end of his life, he, he got a little confused about things, but you know, he had a powerful healing ministry. And one of the reasons why William Branham has such a powerful healing ministry was because the Lord allowed him to see the things that was hindering people and causing the sickness. And so while he's praying for people, a lot of times he would pull the mic away and he would lean over and whisper to them, if you'll forgive this person or if you will confess this sin or if you will deal with this right now, you'll be healed. And they would do that. They, whatever it was that was hindering them, they would you know, let it go and he would pray for them and they'd be healed right there. So revelation has a lot to do. With us being healed, but we've got to be willing to let the Lord come and clean house. And in this series so far, I've already showed you how the Lord came in, he made a whip, and he drove out the money changers out of the temple, and he cleaned house. And then you read shortly after he cleansed the temple, then you read Jesus came into the temple, and he began to operate in healings and miracles and deliverance. A revival broke out. But it's in that order. You've got to let the Lord come in and clean house and not resist the Holy Spirit. But let Him deal with you. Let Him clean house. Let Him clean out churches. And when things are the way they're supposed to be, that's when the Lord will come. And so that's why I did those sermons in this series. And I believe that right now, I'm not going to dwell on this, but you know, as we've been lately taking the Lord's Supper, and I've been really taking some time with that with you guys, I believe God's doing a deep consecration for those that are regulars and kind of know what I'm talking about. God's doing a deep consecration for the next six months, and, and there's a lot of healings that, that are beginning to happen. All right, so let me warn you with something, then I'll go into this, but why some people don't see prophecy fulfilled, or God's will be done, let me, let me just kind of sidetrack on this. There was a lady that had a powerful testimony I want to share with you. God had showed her that she was going to have an international ministry, that she was supposed to have a ministry that was going to break out of just being in America and was going to get out to the nations. And as soon as she got that word from the Lord and she started moving forward in her ministry, she God gave her this word. It was like a prophetic word over her life. But as soon as she started moving forward with this word, she began to get discouraged by circumstances in her life. 
And so she began to doubt the word of God. And she began to even speak out of her mouth against the word of God in negative. She was grumbling and complaining and whining. And things went from bad to worse. To make a long story short, she found herself actually having to live out of her car. That's how bad it got. It went all the way down, just spiraled all the way down. And um, she was frustrated and she was crying out to God saying, Lord, you spoke to me. It was going to be like this. And I'm seeing the exact opposite in my life. And the Lord spoke real clear to her and said, because you don't believe my word. I've already told you. And all you've been doing is grumbling and complaining and being negative. You've doubted the word of the Lord. You have not been operating in faith at all. And because of that, I haven't been able to do anything. You know, doubt, fear, and unbelief kills the... Anyway, so she, she asked forgiveness. She repented. She began to speak faith. She began to believe the word of God. And I mean to tell you, it turned around quick. And then she went all the way into having what God promised with the international ministry. So sometimes the reason why people are not seeing things is because they're in doubt, fear, and unbelief and being negative. It's just the way it is. They're grumbling and complaining, depressed and all this stuff. And you need to get your mind off of that stuff and get your mind on the word of the Lord. That's why I gave you guys that prayer chart at the beginning. Because I wanted people to be able to renew your mind with the word of God. When you're meditating on what the Bible says, it's hard to be depressed. Isn't it? The reason why people are, are depressed and down and, and, and all that is because they're not really thinking on God's word. They're just completely, totally focused on negative circumstances. And actually, they see things from the enemy's perspective. All right, so let me give you a few things tonight. In Acts 4.23, talking about the disciples, when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, now right before this, remember Peter and John were dragged before the Sanhedrin. And they were told, you will not preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. And they were threatening them. And I mean to tell you that that was a scary situation at that time because these people, the Sanhedrin had the ability to have these men put in prison and killed. And so for them, it says, Peter filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to be full of the Spirit to be bold like this. He stood up and said, you judge for yourself if it's right for us to obey you instead of God. And so they had him flogged and beaten. Now here's the thing about that. Flogged and beaten was they took you know, rods and they, they beat them with these rods. I mean, it was a painful thing. And as they were going back home, they were rejoicing and praising God and thanking him for being counted worthy to suffer for the kingdom of God. Now, their whole mentality, their whole perspective was something else. It was awesome. compared. I mean, here in America, people complain, you know, about the little things. You know, they, they didn't get ketchup when they went through the drive-thru. You know, and they're frustrated because their french fries are without ketchup now. You know, and they're grappling. And it's like, back then, they, count, they were so joyful at the persecution that they were going through. So, I, I mean that to say this. As we're doing more and more witnessing, we've always been a witnessing church, but we're upping our, our sharing of the faith. As this going more and more, I want you to be encouraged whenever you're persecuted. Rejoice. You know, you may walk off somewhere and just begin to thank God and praise God if somebody was rude to you or whatever, rejected you. They, they're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. But just think and praise the Lord for the, for the honor of being counted worthy to suffer just a little bit for the kingdom. And then, of course, when you lead people to the Lord, 
and they get saved, the Bible says heaven rejoices. So, you know, praise God. But either way, as I shared this last week, I believe either way, you are a winner and, and you should be rejoicing. Whether the person accepted or rejected it, because Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, okay? So these men went home. They had been beaten. I'm sure they were bleeding and they were in pain. But they came back. You pick up around verse 23 and it says they had been released and they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, now this was the group, the disciples, the 120 or however many it was at this time that had gathered together. And when they had heard that the Sanhedrin was threatening them to no longer preach in the name of Jesus and was beating some of them and and, and they were... So here's what they did. Instead of grumbling and complaining about it, When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord, and they said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people uh, devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed one. For truly, in this city... They were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and look at what they pray. And grant your bondservants that we may speak your word with boldness. Some translations say confidence, but it's boldness. While you extend, now look at this prayer. While you extend your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, look at what happened. The place where they gathered together was shaken. Now think about that. You're in there praying and that place shook by the power of God like an earthquake. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him. But all things were common property to them all. And with great power. Look at this. With great power. Everybody say great power. The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now they preached the resurrection. We preach a lot about his death and the cross, which we need to do. We preach about the blood. But you also need to add that he did raise from the dead. There's something about that. There's something about the message of the resurrection of the dead. There's power in that. They testified to the Lord's resurrection from the dead. And abundant grace was on them all. For there was not a needy person among them. All who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds for the sales of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they were distributed to each as he had a need. Now there was such a love and a bond. It was a family. You know, people were in need and, and someone that, that had some wealth would go and they would sell something and bring, bring that wealth in and give it to the apostles and it would be distributed throughout the church as people had a need. Those type of things happen when, when God's Spirit's really at work. But I love this story because, let <clears throat> give you a couple things. Number one, there was a humble servanthood about the leaders. 
Okay. And the, and they said about themselves, they call themselves bond servants. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you understand why they use that word. Because let's say that there was a Hebrew person and their family had, you know, began to move into poverty and they were struggling. So one of them maybe was sold into slavery to pay the debt. And so that individual comes into another man's household and he's their slave. And now he's serving there, he's working there to pay off the family debt. And maybe in that situation, he's allowed to accumulate a wife and a family. But whatever the situation, at the end of however many years he was serving, you know, I believe that a Hebrew could only be there for about six or seven years and they were supposed to be let go. But anyway, let's say that now it was time for them to be released and that, that Hebrew slave said, look, I don't want to leave. I love this family. I'm part of this family now. I feel, I feel I'm part of this family and I want to stay. And so it was under Jewish law that they could take him. They called him a bondservant. And they, they had this um, instrument that they could pierce his ear. And it was, a, it was a little ritual they did. But nonetheless, he became part of that family. And he was called a bondservant. In other words, he was now a willing slave to that family. He wanted to be there. And so whenever these men of God here, they knew exactly what bondservant was. And they said, we're the bondservants of the Lord, meaning that we've given up everything to follow Jesus. And we want to follow him. We, we want to be a part of this. We, we give our whole lives for the sake of the gospel. Everything. To follow you, Lord. And they prayed for boldness, that they would speak the word of God fearlessly. And they also asked the Lord that he would stretch out his hand to heal the sick and perform miraculous signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus. And the place shook. They were filled with the Spirit. And they went out of that place speaking the Word of God boldly. And the Bible goes on to say that God worked with them and performed signs and wonders, confirming His Word in the book of Mark. But I want to give you some things to think about. I know that many of you already know a lot of this, but let me just recap real quick. But, you know, in Mark chapter 16, it says. These signs will follow them that believe. Mark 16, around 16 through 19. These signs will follow them that believe. And Jesus taught us, in my name, you will drive out demons. You will speak in new tongues. That's speaking in tongues. And you will lay your hands on the sick, and they will recover. And we've seen a lot of that here, people being healed and delivered of things. But I'm going to tell you that a lot of American Christianity is not seeing it. It's not biblical Christianity. Okay. And somebody says, well, okay, my, I would ask this question to people across this nation. There's so much more, if you read the book of Acts, there's so much more than what the American church by and large is operating in. So my question would be this. When you look at the life of the early church and you read the book of Acts, you read the life of Jesus, I would ask people this question and say, well, is there more? Here's the question I would ask. When's the last time you laid hands on the sick and somebody recovered? That's supposed to be happening in normal Christianity. That's not a big thing. That's, a, that's supposed to be normal Christianity. In the early church, there was even gifts in operation of healing. And then when's the last time you drove a demon out of somebody? And I think a lot of times people look, because they're so unfamiliar with it in America, that people think of like the exorcist, you know, that somebody's head's going to be spinning around spitting pea soup or whatever. And um, I guess under extremes, I've never seen that, but I guess under extreme circumstances, that's possible, I don't know. 
Well, we've seen a lot of people delivered of the demonic and, and the, the bondage to the devil, bondages to addictions, bondages to substance, bondages to sexual perversions. And, and you guys know what I'm talking about, okay? We've seen a lot of people delivered of things. And um, I remember my wife has a really powerful testimony. And she went to give her testimony. And, of course, her family was involved in, in Satanism and things like that. And it was really a miracle that she came to know Jesus. And uh, I'm not going to go through her whole story, but it was awesome. And so she's given her testimony throughout the nation. The Gideons have sent her all over the whole nation to give her testimony. She's given it um, uh, at international conventions. And not only that, she's been on television with it. So she has a really powerful testimony. And there was a lady that was deeply involved in Satanism. And we're still friends with her to this day. We keep up with her. She's in church now doing really good. But she was deeply involved in Satanism. So was her whole family. And she was told from the time she was born she can never be a Christian because she was a pure-blood Satan. It's just a lie from the devil, okay, to keep them in bondage. Well, she hears my wife's testimony, and she's thinking, is there a way out? Have I been lied to my whole life? Is there really a way out? Well, she, from her birth, was given to the devil. You know, just like, you know, we would dedicate babies to Christ. You know, she was dedicated to the devil, and, and her whole life was involved, deeply involved in these evil things. And, and so she was full of the demonic. But she came to my wife and gave her life to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Well, Jesus instantly began to work. And she, she got water baptized, but she knew that she was still in a lot of bondage to the devil. <clears throat> And so my wife was trying to help her, but at the time, um, this was many, many years ago, at the time, she was kind of on her own in this situation before we got married. And so she really wanted some help. And so I was going to this church too. I I wasn't there this particular night, but um, we we were not married, but I was attending that church, but I was out traveling and preaching, things like that. But my parents were there and they can testify to this story because they saw it. But um, anyway, my wife brings her to church. Now, this is, a, this is a Pentecostal full gospel church. So we believe in healing. We believe in deliverance. And this person needs deliverance. You know, it's serious. And the preacher walks by, and uh, he begins to pray for her. And she, she, were you there? Okay. My daughter was there, too. Anyway, she, she went berserk. It wasn't her. It was the demon. She went berserk, flew backwards, started cussing like a sailor, swinging at people, you know. And um, this is what makes me mad about the American church. Instead of standing there helping people get delivered, most of those people, bless their heart, if they listen to this, I'm calling you a wimp and a sissy from the pulpit, okay? But they all go out in the, in the foyer area hiding from this and letting the pastor do all of it. And uh, that was one of, there was about, it took about five to six men, grown men, to hold this woman down. And um, it was supernatural. It was demonic. I mean, she, she was picking up. She's on the ground. She was picking up a grown man like this in her arm going back. I mean, the whole body, a couple hundred pounds in the air. You know, me and Zach can do that in the gym. But, you know, I mean, but she shouldn't have been able to do that. It was supernatural. <laughs> anyway, and so she's doing this. And the pastor sat there and had to drive out these demonic spirits. And they left in the name of Jesus. Amen? Jesus paid for our victory. So she got delivered. True story. And those people in that church, this really ticks me off. But they went to the pastor later and said, we don't want that sort of thing going on. Man, I pray, Lord, then send them to me. 
If somebody needs to get them free, and where are they going to get free? Where, where are they going to go if they can't go to church? Where are they going to go to get help? Secular psychologists are just going to tell them they're crazy and put them on Prozac, right? And if they go, if they go to their college professor, he's just going to chalk it up to mental illness or something. That, that where are they going to go? They have to go to the church to get free. Well, this precious woman of God now. Uh, she's a friend of mine, and she she is um, serving the Lord. You know, she's gone through some kind of a Christian training, and and she's really doing well. And I'm really thankful to see it. But I'm gonna tell you that God is wanting to touch and love on people and help people. When Jesus came, He came, and everything He did was a love to help people. You know, Jesus, like I've said many times, if he wanted to, he could have spoken out and all these trees right in front of everybody withered and died. And then he could have spoke again and they all come back to life and he could have showed off his power. But when he did things like that, like walking on the water, he did it in private with just the disciples. When he was in public, what he did was he would heal the sick people. They were hurting. And people that were demonized, that needed to be delivered, they were hurting, they were tormented. And so they would come to him, and he would drive out the Spirit, he would set them free, minister to them, and love on them. And that, that is supposed to be normal Christianity today. Amen? But I'm concerned that the church, by and large, has become powerless, and there's a lack of the anointing, a lack of the presence of God. And so when people come now, they're like, if you have a financial need, we know a good banker. And churches have become a referral service. If, if, you've, if you're dealing with psychological issues, we know a good psychiatrist. If, you, if you're dealing with these issues in marriage, we know a good counselor. You know what I'm saying? It's just they're just referring people. But if we get back to the book of Acts Christianity, there wasn't any of that referral business. They prayed and believed God, and God showed up and did it. He set people free. And I'm only saying this to make a point, but I, mean, I could tell testimony after testimony after testimony of people being healed from cancer in this, in this ministry and many other ministries that I've you know, seen. And, and um, one precious woman who now y'all know her, Rachel, is one of our missionaries, but you know, she was healed of like eight diagnosed mental illnesses. Eight. That's a lot, man. And she was on medication for all of it. And um, she had been, her testimony, though, was that she was gang raped when she was young. And uh, she had a rough life. Anyway, nonetheless, and she, she got addicted to drugs. But God, as we prayed for her, you, you know that God totally delivered her? There, there was something there in her head area that left. And she was totally healed from all that mental illness and all the medication. She was totally, completely delivered of some kind of a spirit of death or something. And she was healed of cancer and healed of hepatitis C. And the doctors confirmed it. Okay, and there's been a lot of other testimonies like that. But that testimony really sticks out to me because it was, it was a radical healing, you know. All right. Let me give a few more scriptures. Listen, Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. God's got to build it. And what you're dealing with, it's like we're doing a church plant and we're, we're being real patient about this and letting the Lord build the house the way he wants to build it. And he's drawing in people and we're doing what the Bible says to do, make his house a house of prayer. 
and his presence is really powerful. We're out, you know, winning souls, and tonight after church, we'll, you know, as we go, we'll we'll be witnessing and all that. I mean, this is it's it's a book of Acts Christianity. I believe it is, and but unless the Lord build the house, them that labor labor in vain. How many places out there have been built by men in the intelligence of men? And it may have become very huge, and, and there's a lot of money in it. But the truth of the matter is, if, if something was to happen, like a terrorist attack, and there was a bomb blew up, and you had 5,000 people, and all of them died right then instantaneously, it would be sad, but I would not be surprised if 500 or less actually made it into heaven. Because the, the gospel's not really being preached. Like last week, as I preached it, the gospel's not really being preached. It's feel-good messages, it's motivational speeches. But the Bible shows us to preach the, the whole Word of God. And to not it's not a tickling of the ear type message, it's a, it's a message that convicts people. And they get the sin out of their lives. Amen? So the Lord building the house. And then also, unless the Lord guard the city, the watchmen keep it in vain. In 1 Peter 5, 6, Therefore humble yourselves, are in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in proper time. I'm going somewhere with these scriptures. It'll all come together. It's important that we're living humble. That you humble yourself, are in the mighty hand of God. Don't allow any pride. Don't allow false humility. But really humble yourself down and let the Lord do a work. And the Lord build the house. And the Lord raise you up in his time. You know, not to, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you know, one of our young people that happens to be here tonight has really listen. There's an anointing. There is an anointing of the Holy Spirit, and when we pray for people and lay hands, there is an imparting of the anointing. And even one of our our precious young people is probably thirteen, something like that. I don't want to embarrass him, call him out, but anyway, he's even at home prayed. For some of his um, cousins or brothers or different people, whoever it is, other kids. And they're being hit by the power of God, falling out. And God's touching them at home. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's like, it's amazing to me to hear all the testimonies of the power of God that, that's transferred. What I'm saying is this, man, get prayer. Let the Lord fill you with His Spirit. You know, let the power of the Holy Spirit come in. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is what changes us in the image of Christ. And Jesus said when He came, it's better that I go away. Let's just stop and think about that. Every time I say that scripture, I want to just stop right there and say, you know those people had to look at Jesus like, you got to be crazy saying that it's better that you leave us. You're the Messiah, you're the Christ. It's better that you go. Where, where are you going? And Jesus says, it's better that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a comforter, a counselor. He's going to teach you. He's going to empower you. He's going to show you things to come. You know, it's the Holy Spirit is the one that's bringing the healing and the freedom and the deliverance in people. All right, so let me give you a couple things about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. I heard a preacher say this last week, and I, I had to jot it down. This was so good. He said, did you climb or did you ascend? My wife and I were talking about this. There's people out there that still have iniquity drives in them. They want to make a name for themselves. They're, they're in things for the wrong reason. They're in the ministry, but, but they have motives of the heart to make a name for themselves. To climb the ladder of success. 
And it becomes about money. It becomes about other things. And the motives are evil. And pretty soon over time, these evil motives of the heart eat away at them and they end up falling into sin publicly. And it's really sad to see. But there's got to be... The question I asked was, did you climb or did you ascend? Because some people are wanting to climb. They're wanting to even pull other people down to try to exalt themselves up. I see that quite a bit, actually. They want to pull other people down and smear other people to put, put themselves up at a higher level on the another rung of the ladder of success, if you will. But that is not of God. None of that. All that is pure evil. You remember when it said about Lucifer, he wanted to exalt his throne above the, the stars. That's he wanted to lift himself up above his peers. Whenever you look at Jesus, he humbled himself and washed the disciples' feet. And the disciples even asked him, who's going to be the greatest? And he said, the humble. He said, those that will be childlike. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Let God purify your motives that there's a true humility. So whenever you've humbled yourself under his mighty hand and it's time for him to use you, that when he uses you, it's not going to totally, completely destroy you because you're lifted up with pride and you're eating away at these evil motives of the heart, which I have seen it happen to people. The evil, iniquitous motives of the heart, the love of money, and making a name for yourself. Get all that out of you. I believe if churches are in order and they're unified, we can pray like the early church. The place where we meet can be shaken. We can be filled with the Spirit and go out speaking the word boldly. And God will work with us confirming His word. Mark 16, it said that the Lord worked with them confirming the word of God with signs. God will confirm his word. So here's the last couple things I just wanted to go through and recap. Up until this point, as I've been doing this series, number one, I wanted to create a faith culture and confront some serious error. All right? Create a faith culture and confront major errors. Some of the major errors is this. You know, the Bible, people sometimes say, well, God doesn't heal today. There's bad doctrine. One has been taught, and you've got to be willing to renew your mind out of false doctrine and bad teaching that maybe you've been taught while you were growing up. The Bible says in Romans 12 to renew your mind. Maybe you had negative personal experiences where you prayed for yourself or prayed for another person or wanted something to happen and you didn't get the breakthrough and you didn't see a healing and it frustrated you. The last thing you want to do is get angry with God because God's not the problem. And the last thing you want to do is start creating some weird false doctrines that God doesn't heal today or he doesn't answer prayer or whatever weirdness that people teach. What you've got to understand is if you don't have a breakthrough, you need to seek God as to why. Ask Him, what is the hindrance here? Is it a spiritual battle? Maybe I've been praying for healing, but maybe it's a deliverance that needs to take place. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some um, other issue with sin that I'm not realizing is there, but I don't know. I want to know, Lord, show me what is the hindrance. There can be a lot of different things. 
There can be generational curses. You know, there's there's families that, um, you know, and it actually, you know, we've had to deal with some of this stuff, but like Freemasonry and things in the family, there can be generational curses that need to be broken. And then there'll be healing that comes. But revelation releases miracles because the Lord will show you this has been the hindrance. See, when Jesus lived on the earth, he told us, he said, when you see me, you see the Father. Remember this. Every person that came to Jesus with a need, he healed them or he delivered them. He did not turn one person away. Now that's important because if we watch Jesus' life in all four Gospels and there was times that people came to him and said, Lord, heal me. And he said, well, it's just not my will. Then you could base a doctrine on that that, hey, maybe sometimes it's not God's will. But that's, that's not what happened. It never happened. Every single time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every time that people came to Jesus for healing or deliverance, he ministered to them and they were healed and delivered 100% of the time. So you have to understand that Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. What I see the Father doing, I do. What I hear him speak, I speak. So he was in tandem with the Father, and he was doing these things. And so you've got to understand that it's God's heart. That's why John, in 3 John 2, he said, I pray that you be in health and prosper as your soul prospers. That's the heart of God. We all go through trials. We all go through testings. We, God allows things to give us testimonies and to help us change us in the image of Christ. We go through stuff. But that's the point. You go through it to the other side of victory. And then you have a testimony of how God brought you through it. But nonetheless, God is wanting us to get victory and breakthrough. And he does ultimately want us to live a life that is, that is with health and prosperity. That's his, that's his word. The second thing I want to point out is this. The powerful prayers of the righteous. I love the Amplified Bible. It says this. The prayers of the righteous make tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. King James, I believe, says what the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. But I like the way the Amplified words it. The prayers of the righteous make tremendous power available. Think about that. The prayer of the righteous... Tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. So that's the reason I created this prayer chart, and you guys are using it. I'm so encouraged by that. People have been using this and been going through, and you're renewing your mind, because once you understand, number one, that Jesus paid for us to be righteous, and if you really will be humble and confess your sin and get it right with God, he will forgive you and cleanse you, and you become the righteousness of God in Christ by the blood of Jesus. And so then you're made righteous by his blood. Then you can have faith that your prayers are powerful. A lot of people, they sit back and they never step out and do things for God. And they never really expect to receive much from God because they're always beating themselves up feeling like I'm so unrighteous and so unworthy. But from what I understand in the scriptures, the Bible says that all of us, me, all of you, Everybody that's live streaming, everybody that's listening to this, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So it's only the blood of Jesus that makes us righteous anyway. So nobody's going to be able to sit back and go, I'm more righteous than you. We're all sinners, you know, but God has washed us and made us holy. So when people understand the power of the blood of Jesus to make us holy and to make us righteous and to purify us, then we can have some confidence when we go before God and we can go before God like this, Lord, I know. 
that I'm nothing, but I know that the blood of Jesus makes me the righteousness of God in Christ. I know because of his blood I'm holy. So I can come to you and I can pray and I can expect things because of the blood of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It's not because you're going to God going, I'm so righteous. I deserve you to hear my prayer. You're not going to get anything that way, trust me. But if you go to him going, Lord, I humble myself. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I come through his blood. He will hear you. And he will do it. And your prayers will be powerful. And God's wanting us to get beyond some of this childish stuff where we're sitting back feeling like we're unworthy and can, can never do something for God. It's ridiculous. Okay? Once the blood of Jesus makes us holy, we need to get out there and start doing stuff and praying for people and expecting. And the Bible says, you know, it's not like, okay, I'm so righteous. I, I prayed today for so many hours. I read so many chapters today. I did this, this, and this. And now, when I lay hands on somebody, I can expect that they're going to be healed now. I'm really ready now. You know, that's not going to get the job done. Because that is, that's a false faith. Okay? But whenever you realize, you go like this, you say, Lord, the Bible says we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm stepping out in faith, made righteous by the blood, but I'm stepping out in faith and I'm going to believe you that when I pray, your word says they're going to be healed. Then you're going to start seeing more results. Is this making sense? A couple quick pointers under that. Keep using that prayer sheet to build your faith. Do you remember when I preached that sermon, I told you guys don't do it for two weeks and then be like, yeah, Pastor Scott, it, it, was, it was good. No, this is something you do for the next two years and then you come back and tell Pastor Scott, okay, yeah, my faith has increased. I'm different. I got this word down in me now, okay? But fasting helps to break us through. Sometimes we need to fast and pray to get a breakthrough. You remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? And Peter was there, scared and dumbfounded. Lord, let me build tabernacles for you and Moses and Elijah. You know, and he didn't know what to say. He was all scared. But they come down from that place. And the disciples that were still down there were trying to cast a demon out of somebody. And they couldn't get the job done. And Jesus walks up there and casts the demon out. Y'all remember this story? And they were probably just standing there like this. Their head down. And they go to Jesus afterwards and say, why couldn't we get the demon out? What happened? And Jesus told him, he said, well, first off, you need to have faith. But secondly, he said, prayer, some come out by prayer and fasting. So fasting helps to break through sometimes and bring answered prayers where things have been stubborn. How many of you guys have come up against something stubborn? You prayed about it and it was stubborn. And you kept praying about it and it was still stubborn. Sometimes when you're in those situations, if you'll fast... It'll help break through. If you read Isaiah 58, it talks about removing the heavy yoke and it helps. It talks about breaking chains and it helps to bring a breakthrough. In the book of Judges, the people of Israel had to go to war against Benjamin because of their sin. They went to, they heard from God. They went to war and lost. They wept, cried before God. They went to war again and lost a second time. So now they're desperate. So now they pray and fast from morning till evening. And the third time they went to battle, the only thing they did different was fast. And they won. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes fasting can help break through. Praying in the Spirit, was it Jude, talks about praying in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost. 
And it, it grieves me because I know that there could be so much more happening in churches. You know, the Bible talked about, now listen to this, I believe it has something to do sometimes with apostolic ministries because the Apostle Paul, he talked about um, being in the pains of childbirth until Christ be formed in you. Remember that in Galatians? And you remember how Elijah... It said he was in, it looked like a birthing type position, but he was praying and travailing until that cloud formed the size of a man's hand. But in Romans 8, he said, Paul said, sometimes the, we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit will pray through you with groans and travail that cannot be uttered. In other words, you can't understand it, but it's the groanings and the travailing of the Spirit. And that it's deep calling the deep. It's, it's the Holy Spirit praying through people as they're praying in the Spirit, they're groaning and travailing. That actually is helping to take ground and give birth for souls. Every major move of God, if you go back and look into it, the Azusa Street Revival saw so many souls saved. And the people said about Azusa, you could hear till 2 or 3 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, people that lived around Azusa Street could hear the weeping and the wailing and people praying in the Spirit and they were, they were groaning and travailing. And all these people were getting saved right and left and they were getting anointed and going literally all over the world. During the days of Azusa, people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, but they were being clothed with power and they were going all over the world. And every major Pentecostal, full gospel denomination, or whatever you want to call it, movement, can be traced back to Azusa Street. But think about that. God was exploding something, birthing something. Because up until that point in time, the devil had done a real good job of stealing from the church, even the gospel. Remember Martin Luther had to split off the Catholic Church in 1517 because the Catholic Church had literally lost the gospel a long time ago. They still don't have it. Don't get me started there. But they, they lost the gospel. And Luther had to split off and teach people. It's, it's by faith in Christ alone you're saved. Not through a church. Not through a priest. Not through Hail Marys. It's through Christ. Okay? And then God kept restoring. He's restoring back what the early church was supposed to be like. Okay? And so, Azusa Street around the 1900s. Now the baptism in the Holy Spirit was being restored back to the church. Another Pentecost. Where people were being clothed with power. Speaking in tongues. And now they're going out seeing people saved. Seeing people healed and delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gets the job done. You understand that? When Jesus said that nobody can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. That's why Peter could get up on the day of Pentecost and preach and 3,000 people get saved. They were cut to the heart, but it was the Spirit of God that convicted them. Let me tell this quick story. I was, um, this is an old story. Some of you have heard it. Just bear with me. But there was a, the story of Vern. Okay, I was at home and my air conditioner went out. And I was living in East Texas. And this guy comes to fix my air conditioner. I tried to witness to him, but he told me right up front. He said, look, man, I work with a preacher. He's preaching to me every day. I've heard it already. I just don't want to hear it. I said, all right, that's fine. And I was about to just shut it down and move on because, I mean, at that point, what do you say? Okay, so I was about to just say, okay, man, have a good day and walk off. And the power, this is a true story, as I'm standing here, he's right in front of the power of the Holy Spirit just came on this man. And he started kind of shaking. His eyes were tearing up. His lip was quivering. And his name is Vernon. He says to me, what's going on, man? (laughs) 
I said, Vern, I said, Jesus is really trying to save you. Okay, he really is. He's trying to save you here. And you've heard it over and over and over. And this is the Holy Spirit trying to deal with you. Now, he had heard the gospel, I don't know how many times. And I didn't even preach the gospel to him at this point. He'd already heard it, I don't know how many times. You know what Vern says to me? He says it. He says, he's sitting there shaking like that. He said, what do I do to be saved? And I said, I'll pray with you, man. So I led him in the sinner's prayer. He broke. He was, he was really broken. And, but it, I'm telling you, it was nothing that I said because I didn't say anything. I certainly didn't say anything eloquent or anything that would get the job done. The seed had been sown by people before, but it took the power of the Holy Spirit to crack that shell around that nut, so to speak. It took the power of the Holy Spirit to break that hard heart and get through to him and pierce through and deal with him. And he came to know the Lord. All right, so fasting and prayer, but you can build up. Please hear me. Those of you baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you're not, I'll pray with you tonight. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But listen, build up your most holy faith. The book of James talks, or I'm sorry, the book of Jude. Build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. As you pray in the Spirit, you're building up faith. (coughs) Meditate on and memorize Scripture. As you meditate on the Word of God, it builds up your faith. You guys see what I'm saying? Meditate on the Word. Pray in the Spirit. Renew your mind with the Scriptures as you renew your thinking. And speak the Word of God out of your mouth. These are things I talked about in the first sermon. Build up your faith. You guys remember this. You've got to do it. You pray in the Spirit. You meditate on the Word of God. You speak the Word of God. You renew your mind with the Word of God. And you keep doing that and it keeps building up your faith where you're going to new realms of faith that you've never been able to before. And the second thing is you've got to move the enemy out of the way. This has to do with spiritual warfare. God's wanting our lives to line up with the promise of his word. Sometimes there's a stubborn, like a spirit there is trying to hinder people. You've got to kick that out of the way, okay? The Bible says if you will confess your sin, he will forgive you. And listen, he will cleanse you. There can be a deep cleansing from unrighteousness. It's very deep. As we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will heal the landscape of our lives and our families. God gives his grace to the humble. All right, let me close out with a couple things. But God gives his, let me me say this, grace comes to the humble. If you can remember this, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, grace is not what people think it is that you can keep living in sin and claim God's grace. It's not going to work like that. People that die in their sin are going to go to hell. You heard it from me. I'm telling you the truth. That, that fake grace stuff. Well, grace is grace is the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, helping us to live a righteous life. It's God's favor on you to help you. You understand? God loves us so much that he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us, to live in us, to be with us, and help us to live a victorious life. Not sit around living in sin and claiming everything's okay because I have grace and I'm just going to go to heaven. It's not the way it works. But God gives his grace to the humble. If we will humble ourselves and we have um, his grace and we have we, we build up our faith, the Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith. It, the word saved there, if you can get this, this is powerful. The word saved there is the word sozo in the Greek. 
And sozo means to be healed and delivered, among other things. Did you get that? So when Jesus died on the cross, of course he took the penalty of our sin, but he also paid for our healing and our deliverance. And that's part of what he did at Calvary. So if you can get this, it's really powerful. The word saved in the New Testament is not just the forgiveness of sins. It's healing. It's deliverance. And sozo actually means to do well and prosper. All of that is wrapped up. Jesus paid for all of that at Calvary. It's so powerful when people understand that. And so what Paul's saying here is that it's through grace and faith that you come into that sozo life. Did you see that? If you'll humble yourself, there's grace to the humble, and there's God can build up your faith, and through humility and faith, you can begin to come into that sozo life. And not only have your sins forgiven, but go even further and begin to walk in healing and deliverance. All right. God uses the anointing and the gifts to bring a breakthrough. So why do some people lose their healing? You know, whenever people come to church, the power of the Holy Spirit is there to break through. People people get a breakthrough. They're different. They're definitely healed. There's something that changes. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody that even though they've been clearly healed or clearly delivered of something, it seems to come back. So why is it that people lose their healing? Number one, we don't need to be completely dependent on the anointing or the gifts of other people or in the church alone. But you need to learn how to walk out this thing for yourself. Are you hearing me? You need to learn how to live a life of faith. You need to learn how to believe God for yourself. You need to learn how to speak the Word of God and get it in your heart and and meditate on it. Because it's not just a matter of coming here and getting a breakthrough. Because the enemy will try to bring stuff back on people. Is this making sense? You've got to learn how to walk this thing out yourself. And I was so, so proud. I know that um, I've been teaching this way for years. And, and my wife, well, she had, had a concern maybe a month ago or two months ago probably. There was just simply a spot on her skin that she was really concerned about. So she wanted me to pray with her. So we prayed, and in this specific case, I don't always do this, but we took communion together, and um, we prayed together and laid hands on it, and just believed God. But I was so proud of her because she took the Word of God, and she, she's been meditating on it, speaking it. So every day she was speaking the Word of God over this situation, just believing God. You know that thing shrunk, 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 and just disappeared, completely went away. But she kept believing God for herself on her own. You know, every once in a while she'd come to me and go, Hey, what's it look like? I said, Well, it's shrunk. And the last time she came to me, she said, Hey, what's it look like? I said, It's not there. I can't see it. But see, she didn't, what I'm trying to make a point, she didn't completely depend on coming here and the power of the Holy Spirit, boom, there's change. She knew how to walk it out herself. She knew how to meditate on the Word of God. She knew how to speak the Word over that situation and believe God for herself. And that's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand. You can't just depend on church alone. So how does healing come? I'm going to close with this. Number one, healing can come when we take the Lord's Supper. Isn't that powerful? There's been many, many people that have been healed taking the Lord's Supper. Smith Wigglesworth took communion every day on his own at home. Every day. And that man lived a supernatural life. I've known other people that took communion every day. 
there's a woman that y'all know named Fran. She's probably 90 years old. And um, that woman just gets around. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you know her. I mean, she just gets around all happy. She drives herself to church. She's all active and everything else. And I asked her, I said, Fran, how are you so healthy and doing so good and everything? And she, she told me, she said, Pastor Scott, she said, I take communion every day and I've been doing it for years. And I really believe that God has kept me healthy. You can't argue with that. And not only that, but there was a, Rodney Hart Brown told a hilarious story. He was saying there was this elderly man that was ready to go home to be with the Lord. I mean, he had done everything. <laughs> he had done everything he felt he needed to do in life. He's older now, and he's just ready to go home to be with the Lord. And he actually kind of got aggravated. Like, why can't I? <laughs> this is funny. Why can't I just die and go home to be with the Lord? And he was telling Brother Rodney that, and, and Rodney said, "Well." Brother, you've been taking the Lord's Supper for like 50 years every day, standing there with this juice and wafer saying, Lord, by your stripes, I am healed. Taking it, and he's like, you're not going to be easy to kill over, man, you know? <laughs> but there is a power in taking the Lord's Supper because it's the power of the body and blood of the Lord. It just is. I mean, it's a powerful thing. And healing, there's healing in that. Speaking blessings. I'm not going to teach on it tonight, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Speaking blessings. Did you know there's been creative miracles? There was a man that had, he needed to have a heart surgery where one of the valves, the, um, I'm not a doctor, okay, just bear with me, but one of these arteries was clogged and he needed to have this thing removed to do something to clear the artery. Anyway, he began to speak a blessing over his heart every day. True story. He blessed his heart. I bless you with health and everything. He went back to the doctor. The doctor could not believe it. The thing, it was a creative miracle. The thing had moved on its own. Nobody did anything. The artery had moved over and it had created another path for the blood to flow without any hindrance. Now that's just weird. But he just spoke a blessing over himself every day. And the power of the blessing created uh, had a creative miracle. Now, let's look at the scriptures. Doesn't the Bible say life is death life and death is in the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit so there's life in speaking blessings as you speak blessings there can literally be healing that happens this one man that was on Sid Ross show talking about how he's he's actually quite old too but he's very healthy and he was saying that his whole life he would speak blessings and have his family speak blessings over him and he said he believed that had a lot to do with his health praise and worship there's been many people that is their praise and worshiping the Lord in the presence of God, healings take place. Remember Catherine Coleman? As they were worshiping many times in healings. There's healing released and soaking in the river. Many people are hit by the power of God. You guys, how many of you guys have felt, you know, when you're out under the power of God, God's touching you, you have felt like a thick blanket on top of you of God's presence. Or you felt, some of you have told me you felt like rivers, just rivers of his presence. There's healing in that. You know, God's presence, there's healing in the presence of the Lord. There's healing as you soak in the river. Some people get touched by God, and, and, and they're out under the power of God, or they're in his presence. And here in America, people are so quick to run off. I can just see the Lord sitting up there going, if you, know, if you just sit still for more than five minutes, you know, more could happen in your life. Healing released through the shofar blast. That may be different, but I've actually seen that happen. But the shofar blast, breaking the power of the enemy's influence. I've seen, literally, I've seen people healed at a shofar blast. 
All right, another one is faith produced by the preaching of the Word of God, which is what I'm going for as I'm preaching this series. But in Acts 14.9 it says, There was a man that listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked at him in the middle of his sermon and saw that he had faith to be healed, and he said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man leaped up and began to walk. He was a crippled man, totally healed, right in the middle of a sermon. But as Paul preached, it produced a faith in that man. And he was ready to receive because of faith. Another way, the Bible talks about the laying on of hands, which I've already given the scripture. You lay hands on the sick, they recover, anointing with oil. Jesus sent out the 70, 72. He sent them out two by two. And the Bible says that they went out and they had, in the book of Mark, it talks about they had oil with them and they anointed the sick with oil and they were healed and they anointed the demonized with oil and demons left. And it says that in the Bible. There's something powerful about the anointing with oil. You know why? Because it helps to consecrate the individual. It's not the oil. Nothing's actually magical. Let's pull the oil. There's nothing magical about the oil. Oh, the oil. Okay. There's nothing like that. But it's just a principle. I could throw this out and go get some Crisco. Okay? It's not the oil that's magical. But it's just the faith as you anoint with oil. It's consecrating the person. All right. Mark 16, 17. Lay, on the hit, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. In Mark 6, 13. They drove out many demons anointing me sick with oil and they were healed. 1 Corinthians 12, here's other avenues for healing, the gift of healing. When people have the gift of healing, okay, there's going to be a pronounced amount of healings that happen through them as they pray for people. It's a gift of healing. The gift, the gift of word of knowledge. I mean, guys, we've all seen that. I mean, even on the 700 Club, they'll pray all the time. And all right, there's somebody out there. I mean, how are you going to know? You're, you're on a TV set. You know, there's somebody out there. This is happening. And it's neat because they read these testimonies every time they pray. There, there's multiple testimonies of people like you called out exactly what was wrong with me, and I was completely and totally healed right then as you gave that word of knowledge. So, words of knowledge bring healing. The gift of faith in the working of miracles. You remember the stories of Azusa Street, Brother Zach was sharing? The man was missing an arm completely. And uh, Brother Seymour began to pray for him. And they all watched that arm grow completely out. The fingers grow, and then they watched fingernails grow. That would be cool to see. <laughs> But the gift of faith and the working of miracles, these things go on. But see, you've got to have faith to believe. That's why people say, why isn't more of it in America? Because a lot of the American church don't even believe God heals today. Let alone pray for sick people. You know, I think we would see a little more if we believed the Bible and pray for people. Also, discerning of spirits. That's a gift. 1 Corinthians 12. Remember, Jesus many times prayed for somebody, and, and, and it said in there that the, the demon left him, and then he was healed. You remember the man that was mute, he couldn't speak, and he was deaf. I think he's both deaf and mute. And Jesus prayed for him, and the demon left him, and then he could both hear and speak. And that was the situation where they said the Pharisees were saying that Jesus had a demon. <laughs> but anyway, Jesus healed him through deliverance discerning of spirits discern that it's there and drive it out or discern what it is 
There's been people like Kenneth Hagin and others that have a healing ministry that have prayed for people. I'll give you an example, a Kenneth Hagin story. It always stuck with me. He was praying for people to be healed, and there was a woman that had cancer. And she was on, I mean, it was like she was knocking on death's door, if I could say it that way. She was pale. She had lost a bunch of weight. It looked like she could die any time. She was in a very bad situation. They brought her to the church. And Brother Kenneth was praying for people, and he came up to her, and he felt the Lord tell him, this is not just a healing, it's a demonic spirit. So he commanded that spirit of cancer or death, which is what it is, to leave in Jesus' name. She fell out, and the power of the thing left her. She goes home. The next day, colors started showing back up in her. She started putting on weight. She goes back to the doctor. After a few days, she was back to normal. She was totally, completely healed. But it was a, it was a spirit. He had to discern that it was a spirit. Now, there's other times that it's not a spirit. Do you remember when um, he was telling those Azusa Street stories last week or the week before? That's why they're all in my mind, you know. But that woman that had to walk all the way to Azusa, it took her how long? Three hours to walk to church because she had cancer in the lungs. Well, in this situation, it wasn't demonic, but she came to church and they prayed for her. And in that atmosphere of heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit touched her lungs. She could breathe. And she went back to the doctor a few days later, if I remember the story correctly, and they didn't recognize her. Because she only weighed, what, 80 pounds or something? 65. She only weighed 65 pounds. And she came back weighing a lot more, a lot healthier. And they didn't even recognize her. God had totally healed her in her lungs. Okay? So one time it's a spirit, another time it's not. You have to discern. Okay? All right, Matthew 10, 1. This is what I want to close with this scripture. Jesus said, he called the 12 to him, said, I give you authority to heal. He gave them authority over all manner of sickness and disease and over demons. Now, here's the thing. Authority and power are two different things in the Bible. I want you to hear me. The power in the Bible, in the, in the Greek, is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. How many times have we prayed together and somebody felt the like power? You know, that's the that's the dunamis, that's the explosive power. But there's a different word, authority, and it's the word exousia. And authority in the Bible, in the Greek, the authority means that you have the right and privilege over something. So when Jesus called his twelve to them, he gave them both authority and power, but he gave them authority over sickness and over the demonic. You understanding this? So we can pick up the power through impartation and all that. That's not hard. You can pick up an anointing. But the Lord is wanting to be able to entrust people with authority. He wants to entrust us that we can go to higher realms of spiritual authority. We can be entrusted with it. And then we can see more happen because our authority is at a higher level. So if we can unify and if we can be in order and we pray like the early church, we'll see the same results. God's not a respecter of persons. We can see the same results the early church saw. But we've got to have things in order and we've got to believe God just like they did. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray for people if we can shut down recordings tonight. Some people need healing. They need deliverance. In fact, I'm going to lead people in a renunciation prayer tonight. Hey, y'all do me a favor. Leave that going, actually. If y'all could stand... We need to pray this renunciation prayer. If you have any type of Freemasonry or different things that are satanic in your family, I want you to make sure that you pray this tonight with me. Man, the 
presence of God is awesome. Hey, can you go ahead and um, get something ready to play quietly, but I don't want to have it going yet. If y'all would, just for a second, just close your eyes with me. Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's coming in. Lord, I thank you here in a moment. We're going to pray this renunciation prayer. I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to break through. There's some people that need this, and I believe that. We don't do this every week. In fact, we rarely do this, but I want to pray and lead people in a prayer where they can really get a breakthrough tonight. So the point of the renunciation prayer is this. You know, we come to know Jesus. We're forgiven for our sins. But sometimes the there's things that we've picked up along the way. Through our sinful past. I'm telling you, this stuff that travels down bloodlines can be very serious. I know from experience. You know, dealing, for example, get my wife freed up from things. But, you know, there's things that can travel down family bloodlines that can be very serious. And the Lord wants to break that. To set people completely free. And not only that, but things that people have participated in. Though people have been sleeping around, they've been partying, they've been doing drugs, they've been drinking, whatever it is, and they've they've opened themselves up to things that that have ensnared them and bond and put them in bondage. And they they come to Jesus Christ and, and their sins are forgiven them, but they feel like spiritually speaking, there's this weight on them. And it's like they're carrying all these backpacks, so to speak, spiritually, and, and they're hindered and they're held back. And the Lord paid for that so that they can be totally free. He doesn't want us to live like that. And I felt Tuesday night, I felt it just break into a new level. It was awesome. Alright, so everybody out loud, if you would, I want you to pray this. This is not to be saved. This is to be totally free. Okay? So everybody out loud, just pray this. Jesus, because you forgive me, I choose to forgive others. I forgive anyone that has wronged me or wronged someone I love. Forgive me, Lord. I confess a sin and renounce all the sin, the rebellion, the idolatry, the iniquity that's been in my life or my ancestors. I put this under the blood of Jesus. Forgive me for pride, rebellion, resentment, revenge, envy, jealousy, strife, lust, sexual sins, witchcraft, idolatry, divination, sorcery, occult practices, satanic objects, criminal activity, fear, doubt, unbelief, alcohol abuse, drugs, tobacco, pornography, all addictions. Forgive me, Lord, for any cutting, burning, or marking my body in any way. I repent of suicide, shedding blood, hatred, abortions, anger, rage, or murder. I renounce 
any dedications to other gods, any unholy vows, oaths, ceremonies, pacts with the devil, Freemasonry, all of its branches, all of its ceremonies, and its oaths, all those rituals, I renounce those things in Jesus' name. And I take authority and I break off my life anything of the devil's kingdom. Jesus paid for my healing. He paid for my deliverance. His blood is against the devil and has defeated Satan. So I break the enemy's power off my health. I break it off my finances. My minds, my emotions, my relationships, everything generational that's not of Christ's kingdom. I break it off now. And I bind the enemy. And in Jesus' name, I command you to leave my life right now. All right. Father, I just pray for all those within the sound of my voice. Y'all agree with me. Some of you guys are prayer warriors. Help me out. But Father, we command healing in every person right now. Spirit, soul, body, their heart, their minds, relationships, anything that's been trying to hinder divine health. Father, we just break it off them right now. We command healing in Jesus' name right now in every area. We command deliverance and freedom. That anything that's been hindering people, generational curses, generational bondages, addictions, things from past sinful activities of any kind. Father, we agree. I just break it off every person right now. I command it go in Jesus' name right now. We break your power. We break off things that have been trying to keep people sick, that's been trying to keep people mentally and emotionally oppressed, that's been trying to hinder people. We break it off of them. Command to leave right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we release the impartation, the anointing that you have for people tonight. In Jesus' name, Bozak.